We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. Flying solo today as I do on all the post-game podcasts, but Chris Biederman, he will be back with me for our midweek podcast. We will recap the Cardinals game. We'll look ahead uh, to week 17 with the Seahawks. But today, looking only at the Cardinals game, we'll get into some of the individual performances, what stood out, and then get a quick look ahead to to what's next for the 49ers after their sixth win of the season. Subscribe, rate, and review if you have not, and enjoy the show. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown. Well, that was fun. A 49ers win. It was a little bit of a change of pace after the team struggled so much down the stretch. San Francisco beats the Arizona Cardinals 20-12. to And what we're going to do today, as I sit here at 11.21 p.m. on Saturday night, what we're going to do today is focus on the good stuff from this game for the 49ers. I don't want to get into to nitpicking good and bad performances. I don't want to get into, you know, what this means long term and and CJ Beathard should have been starting the whole time. And I'm not I, I, I saw the stuff on the internet and I'm not I don't want to get into it. Twenty twenty's been a really hard year. I think for people personally, and then in the much uh in the much less consequential realm of football it's been a very hard year for the 49ers so we're going to focus on the good stuff 
from a 20-12 victory, just San Francisco's sixth win of the year and their second in their last seven games, if my math is right. The first thing that, that stood out was the 49ers defense once again in a year where they have been eliminated from the playoffs and down the stretch, their defense is once again playing very hard. And I think that is a huge testament to Robert Sala and the coaching staff in general. It's why I vouch for Kyle Shanahan as a head coach. It's why I vouch for Robert Sala as a head coach. You know, as much as you know, Richard Sherman and Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw and all those guys, they'll do it too. But in my opinion, that's part of what makes Robert Sala such a enticing head coaching candidate is because of games like this one where the 49ers have nothing to play for. They had to get uprooted just before the holidays on short notice and move their entire operation to Arizona. They lost their first three games while down in Arizona and could have got they got eliminated and they could have packed it in and mailed it in against Arizona and taken their Week 16 loss and then traipsed into Week 17 and lost that one. But they didn't do that because these players like playing for these coaches and they want to win for their coaching staff. The coaching staff does a good job of getting players ready to play, putting them in positions to succeed, and the players do a good job of going out and playing hard. And I know that sounds ridiculous because this is ultimately their jobs. This is what they love to do. But you'll see teams down the stretch kind of fizzle out when they get eliminated and they're just playing out the string. Uh, Rich Ornberger on Twitter, former NFL offensive lineman, said this is the time of year where you see which players are putting in film study and which players are looking at Priceline to book their next vacation. And I think we see that the 49ers defense, a depleted defense with no Richard Sherman, no Javon Kinlaw, no Kevin Givens, no Jimmy Ward. We see this defense go out and continue to perform well in a scenario where they they really I don't think anybody would have faulted the 49ers that they went and got blown out by Arizona I think it just would have been chalked up to injuries and that's how this year is going but they flipped the script on the Cardinals who came in as five and a half point favorites and San Francisco holds Arizona to 12 points it's the fewest points that Arizona has scored all year they were excellent the defensive front was very good Fred Warner was uh, there's not enough good things you can say about Fred Warner. His pass breakup on the fourth and two on the Cardinals, uh, I think second to last drive, was an unbelievable play for a middle linebacker. And not a play many off-ball linebackers are making in, in the NFL, batting down a pass like that. So, an excellent performance all the way around. Jason Verrett held DeAndre Hopkins to eight catches for 48 yards. There was a play right at the end of the half where it looked like Hopkins had a touchdown, but Verrett wrestled the ball away from him as they were going to the ground. An incredible play. Like DeAndre Hopkins, has, he's known for the size of his hands. <laughs> the guy wears a 5XL glove, and he has vice grips at the end of his arms, and Verrett wrestled the ball away from him, and I think that's, that's a testament to the type of player Verrett is. He's going to fight for every single inch, and he's going to make players earn every single reception against him. And that one he knocked away from Hopkins. And in a game decided by eight points, one touchdown is significant, FYI. So Jason Verrett was excellent. Kerry Hyder Jr., he had sack number eight and a half. That's a new career high for him. There were Dre Greenlaw, especially early on. He was 
sideline to sideline. Like I think Dre, I don't because Fred Warner is so good. He voted to his first Pro Bowl this year. I think Dre Greenlaw gets a little bit overlooked just in the overall conversation. I mean, I know, I know, we know, and I know people know, and I know writers know, and I know that. 49er fans especially who watch this team game in and game out know how good Dre Greenlaw is. He's not a goal line stop in week 17 of the 2019 season. That doesn't define the player he is. He is much better (laughs) than that one play. And I think you saw it on Saturday. He was everywhere. He's really good. And I think Dre Greenlaw is going to be a star one day in the NFL. Marcel Harris even, on Arizona's first drive, Kyler Murray got into the open field and Harris dragged him down, made an incredible open field tackle. I don't think I've ever seen Kyler Murray get brought down in the open field like that. The Niners all day made life very hard on the Cardinals quarterback. He got hit square a couple times. That almost You almost never see that happen. But they did an excellent job. Robert Sala did a great job of dialing up blitzes, keeping Murray confused. And again, the 49ers look like the team playing for their playoff lives, not the Cardinals. And so what the 49ers did was they knocked the Cardinals essentially out of playoff contention for now. If the if the Bears win on Sunday, I don't believe the Cardinals get eliminated, but they no longer control their own destiny. And when a, a season has gone as bad as it has for San Francisco... Those are the kind of things that you hold on to. It's a division rival. It's the Arizona Cardinals, a team that beat the 49ers in week one and kind of set them on this path of, of, of not to say if the Niners had won in week one, everything would have been hunky-dory this season, but it just was the first, the first domino to fall in a really rough season for the 49ers. And any way you can get a little bit of revenge for that, I think is good. I think it's good for the psyche of the team this year, uh, especially for a club that had to go to Arizona and lost their first three games. Getting that win is good for these guys, I think, personally. But from a football standpoint, it's good to get that revenge on a division rival. Jump over to the other side of the ball. I talked about Fred Warner, or excuse me, Kerry Hyder's career high with eight and a half sacks. Jeff Wilson Jr. had a single game high, 183 yards on 22 carries. He also opened the scoring for the 49ers with a 21-yard touchdown reception. That touchdown reception he had was the same play that Raheem Mostert ran for an 80-yard touchdown in Week 1 against Arizona. It was also the same play that Jeff Wilson scored on late last season. I forget the exact week, but late last season against Arizona at Levi Stadium um, when they ran the zero blitz and he just ran that little Texas route and he gets open and and scores. (laughs) That same play has gone for a touchdown three times for the 49ers against the Cardinals. And Wilson was, because remember, he got hurt in week seven against the Patriots. He's been battling back through a high ankle sprain as well. And for him to continue to come out and run as hard as he has, through his first through his first couple seasons, remember in 2017, Jeff Wilson Jr. was an undrafted rookie. He got thrown into the fire because Matt Breida was hurt and Raheem Mostert was not in the picture yet. Uh, I think or excuse me, Jeff Wilson Jr. was an undrafted free agent in 2018. I got my years mixed up, but um, Matt Breida was hurt. Raheem Mostert had gotten hurt. And Wilson just kind of got thrown into the fire. And he he did okay. He ran hard, but he wasn't this explosive like playmaking back. 
And then in 2019, same thing. He kind of got, he was a healthy scratch or he would suit up and not really play. That play I mentioned against the Cardinals where he had the game-winning touchdown, He that was his only offensive snap of the game. He kind of got relegated to short yardage duty. But this season, he has visibly improved. For Jeff Wilson Jr., a guy who was who was around three yards a carry coming into this year, or just below four yards a carry coming into this year, for him to go out and go for 8.3 yards per carry on 22 attempts with a long of 34, like that's a good run, but this isn't, he went for 22 and 183 and he had a 95-yard touchdown thrown in there. No, he was consistently ripping off huge chunks of yardage. And I think that's a testament to him and how hard he runs. The 49ers offensive line, for the most part, was very, very good. You had George Kittle back. It was great to see him playing football again. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the 49ers go for 227 yards on the ground on 30 carries, their most yards in a game since week eight last year when they went for 232 against Carolina. They went 7.6 yards per carry, the team did. C.J. Beathard had a 17-yard run on a read option. Brandon Ayuk took an end around for 16 yards. It was it was a very good performance from the 49ers offensive line from a run-blocking standpoint. But credit to Jeff Wilson, too, who continues to run hard. Again, and this is a testament, I think, to the coaching staff, that you have a player like Jeff Wilson, who's going to be a restricted free agent, and he's going out there playing through injury and playing as if it is the Super Bowl. And that was very, very encouraging to see. Like I said, George Kittle, four catches, 92 yards. Looked like he hadn't missed a beat. He played 28 snaps. They're easing him back in. And I think it's... it's that You can make the argument that he shouldn't be playing because he is such an important piece of what the 49ers are thinking they're going to do in the future. But the vibe was just different. And I'm going to get to C.J. Beathard in a minute, but the vibe with Kittle on the field was just different. Their offense hummed at a different pace that it just doesn't get to without Kittle. And I think when you watch the 49ers offense, even with C.J. Beathard running it, and you see what happens when Ayuk and Kittle are on the field together and Jeff Wilson Jr. is running the ball well, all of a sudden you start to see what the offense is supposed to look like prior to all the injury issues. So, to Beathard, who... Got the start because of an injury to Nick Mullins. He had a serious right elbow injury. He went on IR. He may need surgery. Jimmy Garoppolo had his practice window open, not healthy enough to return. The 49ers signed Josh Rosen. He's going to be the backup. C.J. Beathard gets the start. 13 of 22, 182 yards, three touchdowns, a single-game career high for Beathard. He did have a turnover. It was a fumble. Um, I didn't think that there was a lot Beathard could have done better given the circumstances. He wasn't perfect by far. He had one throw that probably should have been a pick six. Uh, uh, Jordan Hicks, the linebacker, I don't believe was expecting the ball to be anywhere near him and it hit his hands before he could really react to it. But that was the, I think, biggest error Beathard made 
He had a, a couple of throws that, you know, weren't perfect. But again, he's a backup or third string quarterback, depending on how you want to look at it. And he's not going to be perfect, but he was good enough on Saturday, I think, to earn another start. Barring the team bringing Garoppolo back and and putting him in, but I think the the bigger thing is you saw a little bit of what the 49ers saw in Beathard when they traded up to draft him in the third round. He evaded pressure well. He kept his eyes down the field. I think through his first 10 starts, he was 1-9 through his first 10 starts. He's now 2-9 and nine as a starting quarterback. And I think what we saw was he was getting hit so much, he was dropping his eyes. And when you start dropping your eyes, you're not reading the field properly. You start making bad decisions. And frankly, the team just wasn't as good around him. I think the 49ers just in general are better now. And we saw Beathard look better because of it. Like I said, I'm not, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't a, oh my gosh, extend CJ Beathard. He's the future take. But I think he did enough that you see a little bit what, what the 49ers saw in him when they drafted him relatively early. So I'm very interested to see if he does get a start against Seattle, what, what he does now that a team has a has a week of of additional film on him with with this club and with this version of the 49ers but at least it wasn't a disaster <laughs> the the one turnover was um was a breath of fresh air after the Niners offense just looked for a while like they they weren't going to be able to get through a game without two or three or four giveaways. He did have the one fumble. It was his first ever multi-touchdown game without an interception. So that was good to see. And they didn't ask him to do a ton, but he did enough. And he did enough that the Cardinals couldn't just key on the 49ers run game. And when that happens, it's very hard to defend the 49ers especially when Kyle Juszczyk is catching two touchdowns for the first time in his career, his first ever multi-touchdown game. And he also has, I believe it's six touchdowns now this season. I lost my note on that. But um, when Kyle Juszczyk is scoring and lining up under center and, and doing a quarterback sneak, that was incredible. That was a fun wrinkle. And George Kittle is in. It suddenly that deception that Kyle Shanahan's offense thrives on suddenly becomes to the fore or suddenly comes to the fore. And now it becomes a lot harder for defenses to defend. And it makes life easier on the quarterback, which is why Beathard could just very efficiently throw his 22 passes, complete 13 of them for 182 yards and and throw for three scores. So there was a ton of good stuff out of this game we're going to take a quick break we're going to look ahead to what's next uh, with the seattle seahawks waiting in week 17 but first candlestick chronicles is brought to you by indeed 2020 has already shaped how we work and it's almost over businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient which means every hire is critical and indeed is here to help Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, 
and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria, and you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers, that's right, 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month. That's according to Comscore Total Visits. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Hey, right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer anywhere, so I'm going to read that to you again. It's Indeed.com slash BlueWire, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, Indeed.com slash BlueWire. It's the best offer available anywhere. So go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions do apply. Candlestick Chronicles is also brought to you by Bet Online. The NBA is back in action and football is heading to the playoffs. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. I know I've been telling you guys about all the football player props that go on. They do that for the NBA too. They do it for MLB. It's awesome. It's the only place I will wager. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every single day. So head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. That's all one word, BLUEWIRE, at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so what's next for San Francisco now that they have moved to 6-9 and nine on the season? So the, the elephant in the room is that this effectively takes them out of the running for a top 10 draft pick. So if you were the 49er fan locked into the end of their season and rooting for losses in draft position, they're now six and nine. They fell from number 12 to number 14. They're one of two, six and nine teams right now, along with Minnesota, although most of the league has yet to play week 16. So a bunch of teams are at 14 games, but it's hard to imagine with the 49ers strength of schedule, which is the tiebreaker. It's hard to imagine them moving way above that number 14 spot and into the top 10 seems like a long shot at this point. So that's where they're at. Dropping from 12 to 14, I think is relatively negligible uh, from, from a, a draft position standpoint. And ultimately we ran into this a little bit at the end of 2018 when San Francisco over the final few weeks, they beat the Seahawks in overtime and they beat the Broncos as well. I remember George Kittle had the huge first half. And there was all this hand-wringing about the team was winning too much. And I think that we see from a culture perspective that winning games trumps everything. Everything, everything, everything. You'll figure out draft picks. You'll figure out if they're picking 14th or 12th or 8th. 
the 49ers front office is going to figure out how to restock the cupboard with talent. I think they've put together a relatively deep roster and it took them three years to do so because remember when they came in in 2017, when Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch and Adam Peters and the 49ers front office came in in 2017, that roster was bare. Don't look at the 2017 Niners roster. Don't look at the fact they had the fact they had George Kittle and and don't look at the fact that they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo and you can't you, you go look at the 2016 roster and see what they were working with. And remember the state some of those players were in like if, remember where Jimmy Ward was in 2016 and where he stood with the franchise. Remember where where Eric Armstead was after 2016 and where he stood with the franchise. Remember DeForest Buckner looked good, but hadn't broken out yet into an all pro caliber player. And they built a roster that in 2019, when they went to the Super Bowl, lost both tackles, the fullback that acts as a fulcrum for their offense. They're all pro tight end for two games. The receiver, Emmanuel Sanders, that they traded for, uh, busted up his ribs and and was was pretty limited through the middle part of the season. They lost their starting strong safety for multiple games. Like they had they had injury issues, and still managed to go to the Super Bowl. So, I think they've earned for the most part the benefit of the doubt that if they're picking eighth or tenth or fourteenth or eighteenth, that they're gonna figure out how to restock the roster. And I think the hand-wringing over their draft position in 2021, I think I think it needs to stop. Because winning, like, winning matters, man. Like, Brandon Ayuk being with the 49ers and getting some wins down the stretch here. That's that's going to matter. If the 49ers are playing in a game like this one for Arizona, where Arizona needed to win to continue to tr- control their own destiny going into the playoffs, if the 49ers are playing a playoff intensity game, that's going to matter for a player like Brandon Ayuk next year when the 49ers are, you know, fingers crossed for health, are playing in the postseason again. Like, this kind of stuff makes a difference. Being able to go into a game whether the team is is 5 and 9 or 9 and 5 knowing that the player next to them is going to be playing 100% like that's going that's going to that makes a difference i think i think it made a difference when they won those couple games in 2018 and i think it's going to make a difference especially if the Seahawks lose to the Rams and week 17 suddenly matters in the division race, like that, this stuff counts. And I think winning counts more than anything. The players don't care about the draft position. They don't. They, they want to win. And so the fact that they are going out and trying to win and they have good enough players to still win despite the massive injuries issues they have, I think is a testament to the players on the roster and the culture that the 49ers have built over the last three-plus seasons, almost four seasons. So that's why I don't think winning is the end of the world. In fact, I think the opposite. Sue me. What do you want? The other question going into next week 
against the Seahawks. I'm sure by the time most of you listen to this, the Seahawks and Rams will have played already. I think the Seahawks probably win that one, but if they don't, we got action in Week 17 where the division will not have been decided and the 49ers can once again have an impact on the NFC playoff picture, despite the fact that they are not in it. But if Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy and he's activated, he's going to start. He is the team's starting quarterback, and Kyle Shanahan said it about George Kittle. He said that if George Kittle is healthy, how does he look at the other 52 players on the roster? What I don't even know what number they're at exactly right now, but how does he look at the rest of the players on the roster who may have bumps and bruises and they're beat up and they're playing through X, Y, and Z injury? How does he look those players in the face and say, yeah, hey, Kittle matters more than you. He's not going to play. I think that same logic applies to Garoppolo. And if Garoppolo is out there in practice and he's moving around and he's playing well, I imagine they would give him a start. Now, if he's moving around and he's just okay and his ankle's still barking a little bit or there's a chance he might re-injure it even worse where he might lose games next season, okay, now, now that's no question you're sitting him. But if he's not going to start, I think 100% C.J. Beathard has, has, well, A, they don't have a choice, but B, I think he's absolutely earned another look. And I'm super interested to see how he performs in a second game where he's an undrafted or an unrestricted free agent going into this offseason. And the 49ers might be overhauling their quarterback room. If Beathard goes out and lights it up against... Seattle or plays well against Seattle. I think all of a sudden the 49ers have to circle back and <laughs> I know and think about keeping CJ Beathard in that quarterback room. Even if it's a third string guy. Even if it's even if it's a third string guy where they know in in case of emergency they have a player who can go out and execute their offense well enough that they can win a game if he has to start. Typically teams don't worry about the third string quarterback. I don't think the I don't think the Packers are worried about their number three quarterback. And the Saints probably are, but I don't think the Buccaneers are worried about their third string quarterback. You get where I'm going. The teams with the top quarterbacks aren't worried about QB three. And so that's why I think if Bethard can be competent in his final two starts this year, and he looked okay when he came in against the Eagles when Nick Mullins didn't play well. Then I think that's that's that might be enough tape that he sticks around as a QB three. But the 49ers still need to do something about their quarterback room. We will discuss that plenty, I'm certain, going into the offseason. But the fact that Bethard played well enough that there weren't calls for Josh Rosen, who'd <laughs> been with the team for three days, I think is a really good sign because I think there was some expectation that he was going to come out and be a unmitigated disaster because Nick Mullins wasn't good when he was starting and Beathard couldn't get into the game over him. So there must be something seriously wrong with number three, but he was good. He was solid. He was fine. Like I said, I'm not advocating that he should start long-term, but if Garoppolo can't go, I, I, I think the 49ers have to feel pretty good about, about putting Beathard under center against Seattle. So, that's what's that's what's next for San Francisco. And I think if if you're the 49ers, you want you want, especially if if that game matters for Seattle, either for playoff seating or for the division crown, uh, 
I think you're going to see a version of the 49ers that's going to play their ass off again, and I think you're going to see a 49ers team that badly wants to win that one because spoiling playoff hopes or division hopes or a first-round home game for a division rival would be a really big deal. And I think it would be a, a really, really big positive to close the year on in a year where there haven't been a ton of them for San Francisco. I mean, for crying out loud, too, their wins are against the Jets and the Giants. Those teams have six combined wins. I mean, it's it's been a rough year. They lost to the Cowboys, who were five and nine. They lost to Philly, who's four nine and one. They went one and three against the NFC East, which is arguably the worst division of all time. It's been a lot of bad. And if they screw draft position, honestly. Like, is it more is it more noble to finish six and ten with the thirteenth pick than seven and nine with the fifteenth pick? It's not. And if the 49ers can exit twenty twenty on a on a two game win streak with that's <laughs> not a thing with back to back wins, that's I I think something that they could hang their hat on and feel really good about going into the off season because I guarantee the players aren't going to come in. If they lose to Seattle, aren't going to come into camp going great way to end the year with a loss. Thank goodness for that draft pick. Thank goodness for that one or two spots in the draft. I just don't think that I, I granted I'm not an NFL player. Shocking, but I just don't think that's how it works. So I think you're going to see a very motivated version of the 49ers again, especially a 49ers defense that loves playing for Robert Sala in what is very likely going to be his last game with the team. It is going to be the end of an era in San Francisco, an era that early on was defined by incompetence, but an era that became the the calling card for a team that was good enough to go to and come within seven minutes of winning a Super Bowl. And I don't think that they're going to want to send Robert Sala off with with a... Whether they win or lose is one thing, but I, I can't fathom a scenario where we don't see the 49ers playing like it's their playoff lives on the line. So... That's what I'm looking for next week. I'm excited to talk about it with Chris Biederman coming up later in the week. Can't wait to get his thoughts not only on this game, but looking ahead to the Seattle game. And once we get past that, then we'll really start digging into kind of some of the big picture questions. I know at times we've danced around them or we have, uh, you know, kind of put a pin in it. That's my favorite phrase is, hey, put a pin in that. We've we've avoided kind of the big picture topics that that this team is going to have to look at and the big questions that this team is going to have to answer um we're going to dive into all of it once once week 17 ends and we're, we're officially into the 49ers offseason but there's one more game and like i said i think that one more game is going to be is going to be very very fun and i think it's going to be a big one for the 49ers but san francisco beats the cardinals 20 to 12 in week 16 thank you so much for listening if you have not subscribed, rated, and reviewed, please do. Uh, Chris and I both appreciate it. I'm going to speak for him here. Chris and I both appreciate it very, very much. Um, And if you have not done that, 
please do so. Um, again, you will have our undying gratitude. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.